0: The United Soccer Coaches is proud to present the United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linky. That's right. The NSCAA is now the United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free no-risk trial membership today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org join today. We unite coaches at every level of the game around the passion of the game. Now, here's our host, Dean Linke.
1: Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. This is Dean Linky wishing you and your families all the best this holiday season. Got a great show for you today. Two more championship coaches, both of them from Tyler Junior College. Steve Clemens wins another title for the men. Corey Rose wins a title for the women. They did the double in 2009. They do it again this year. Then our featured speaker today, Vince Gansberg. He is the United Soccer Coaches Education Content Coordinator. And boy, did he have a big week just over a week ago in Clemson when he was helping with coaching education for our veterans, wounded veterans, blind veterans. Amazing story, and he's going to do more great things like that Man, how inclusive is the United Soccer Coaches? Are you kidding me? You'll like his visit. Right after him, Rob Kehoe gets us up-to-date on the NCAA Division I men and women's picture. you got to love that. And finally, Smiling Bob Warming after 40 amazing years coaching Division I soccer for men retiring from Penn State. We'll have a send-off for Smiling Bob Warming to wrap it up. Again, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hope you're enjoying your turkey, your family, your friends. And everything you're thankful for will start our show after this message from TeamSnap. Pretty thankful to them, too.
0: Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to Teamsnap.com. Now, once again, here's your host, Dean Linky.
1: This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I am Dean Linke, and this is our Thanksgiving edition. This podcast released on Thanksgiving Day. I'm thankful to each and every one of you, and I'm certainly thankful to the United Soccer Coaches for giving me this wonderful platform. I love what I do, and I love spending time with the quality people that make soccer so great, and that's our coaches. And once again, we're talking to championship coaches. We do it every year. We make that promise that we're going to talk to all the champs, and we're delivering on that promise, and NJCAA Division One in the books, and how about Tyler Jr. College? They did the double, that's right. The women won it, the men won it. No surprise, right? And, of course, the men led by the legendary, the personable, the fun, Steve Clements, 16th season. So here's the deal. He won a national championship in 2000 at Meridian. Now at Tyler, he won it in 9, 10, 12, 14 last year and again this year. That's pretty good, Coach. Well done.
2: I well, appreciate it, Dean, really do. The guys have worked awfully hard, so uh, the credit goes to them without question.
1: Well, those back-to-backs are fun, right, because you've you know, you know, got the trophy. It's not like you got to give it back, but they can keep saying you're the reigning champ, reigning champ. You know what? They get to say it again another year, right? Back-to-back's pretty fun, Coach.
2: It is a fun year without question. You get to go through two years, and you know, you don't get very many opportunities to win the last game. Uh, that you played, you know, in in sports. And so when you get to do that, you get to do it two years in a row. Uh, you know, it seems like if you when you end on that last loss, which you do most of the time, you're always thinking back to what could we have done different in that game, but you don't have to do it this year. So that's, that is fun. <laughs>
1: Uh, you know, I know you don't like to compare it to four-year schools, but i got to believe it's tough to go back-to-back because you only have these kids for two years. So looking at last year's team, knowing what you were rolling into this year after you won that championship last year, Coach, did you think you'd be right back there going at it again?
2: You know, I really liked our sophomore class coming back. And um, uh, we didn't have the depth that we probably had last year. Uh, but, it, uh, you know, last year's team was one of those um, – arguably our best you know and this year's team uh the thing that that i'll remember this year's team for is that they really had the hardest road of the national tournament um to get through that i can remember you know we you had to play um some very good games two overtimes and then of course you played the host school at their field in a national semifinal and arguably as good a program as there is in the united states you have a five seven time national champions and and all of those things and uh, and to play them at home in front of their crowd was was uh it was it was a pleasure uh it was an honor to get to do it and um and and then our guys responded and played hard and and won it so it t- a tough road in school craft you know 14 minutes left to go in the game in the final to we score so a hard tournament but uh but uh but very well done by our players
1: Coach, everybody finds their niche in life, right? And uh, I am sure that there has been Division One programs calling your name. But you've made coaching junior college, Division One level, your niche, and you've had great success. Why is that? Why are you so in love with what you're doing right here?
2: Dean, I just like you know, I, I think that a lot of times in our level that we have a lot, I think that we have to go further sometimes to really help our students get from point A to point B, whether it be, um, uh, off the field issues on the, f- you know, on the field issues. Sometimes it's, uh, it's academics. It's, it's an, any number of reasons, lack of finance, whatever, but there's so many, uh, odds are stacked against so many of our, our players and, uh, to watch them succeed. And now, watch guys that are managing four thousand employees for oil companies, watch guys who are head of human resources for banks nationwide to watch guys not only succeed, you know, Dom Dwyer of course in his great career, Damonty Ralph his great career, David Soma, his great career in pro you know, so we've had so many again, you 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 watch so many success stories, but there's lots of lots of success watching all these guys graduate and move on and and go to school, and when they get done two years later, Dean, they don't they don't have many student loans, if any, and it's um it's uh, some great schools and. And and these guys have had to really work to get there, so it's 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 fun to watch, Dean.
1: I appreciate that answer because I know you mean it, and I also have to believe that uh, it must be a pretty special place, Tyler Junior College. Where is it, and what makes it so darn special?
2: Well, we're in Tyler, Texas, and I tell you what, Dean, we're in a nice sized town to run programs. You know, too big a towns to me always have their own set of issues. Too small can have another set of issues. You know, we're a we're 110,000, just big enough to be a city, and just small enough to be, uh, you know, it's a good environment to to be able to 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 be on top of your your athletes and make sure they're, you know, uh, channeling in the right direction uh, on and off the of field, and then uh, also the school. You know, of course, our school is is a great place. It's the right size. You know, it's kind of a Division One experience. You know, it's um. It's 12,000 full-time students on our campus. The campus is a Division I-looking uh, uh, campus if you visit us, and our facilities are fantastic. And then, of course, we have a training room. We have academic support. We have, you know, it's just a, it's a great institution. It really is, Dean. Uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, I always say as coaches we're the product of our environment, and, uh, and we have a great environment. There's no question.
1: But Texas is a big place. Tyler is closest to what big city, Coach?
2: Well, we're close to Dallas. We're about two hours from Dallas. In fact, we just came from there, Dean. We just got off the bus an hour ago coming back from Arizona. So
1: <laughs> Coming up, Corey Rose, the double, as we said, to start the show. How awesome is that? You guys have done that before in oh nine, now you do it again.
2: Yeah, that's pretty neat, isn't it? You know, Corey runs a great program. He's done a super job with that with that group and um uh, you know, he was he's been here since it started. I knew Corey years ago with camps and whatever and uh, was excited when he got the job here. Very excited. He's a good friend. You know, it's 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 great when you know you can go to work and our offices are not far apart. We we laugh. We have a we have a great rapport with one another. We were friends before he got here, and and the fun part, I you know, there's never an argument over who's using the field or time or schedule or I mean, there's never. I mean, it is both of us always trying to help the other one, whatever they need, we do it, and it's uh, it's you don't get that all the time in in athletics. I I, I know that, so uh, I'm, I'm I'm excited. Corey's here, and excited for him and those ladies.
1: You're an outdoorsman. You're a big hunter, right? Like, tell us more about that, Steve. Uh, how much do you enjoy that, and how often do you get out there?
2: Well, I. Go to the hunting camp, Dean. But I'm gonna be honest. We I noticed that at the hunting camp that I go to with all my friends back home in Mississippi, that our hunting uh, really went down once we got satellite TV. <laughs> and so I don't know how much hunting we do anymore, but we do still associate down there and. I'll be honest. We I have been guilty of going down there and not even having a gun anymore at times. So to be honest with you, I don't know how much hunting we'll do, but we will have a good time, and it's great to put the phone away and sit by the fire and. Uh and enjoy old friends.
1: So. I love that. Well, and you're still enjoying what you do, you know, coming up, uh, Bob Warming after 40 years, deciding to hang it up. He said to say hello to you, by the way, because I know you worked some camps with him, but he decided oh, he was yeah. done, man. You've got that energy, that fire and everything you do. You're going to keep chugging out there, right, coach?
2: I love it. I really do. I love going to work every day, Dean. There's no question about it. I absolutely love going to work and, um, uh, you know, there's there's things about it that you know sometimes you say how much longer are we going to do this or whatever but um uh but I'm plugging away and again as I, as long as I can be in touch with the with the players and you know and and feel like i'm i'm uh, I'm a positive influence and doing what's for, you know helping them get to where they need to get as long as I'm doing all those things and can do it effectively uh then i I, I want to keep doing, and I hope somebody will tell me. Uh, when, when it gets to the point I need to shut it down, I hope somebody will say so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it also means you get a lot of attaboys in Philadelphia. I'm certainly hoping you'll be there for what I, I'm assuming will be the sixth time you get National Coach of the Year. That's always a good time, right, Coach?
2: You know, I love the convention because you get to see everybody that you had not seen in a year and sometimes more, and it is a uh, um, in fact, Ray Reed and I were talking earlier today. We're on the same committee. Uh, we're on a committee together this time, A advocate Advocacy group for college soccer, and we're already talking about where we're going to go eat. So, you, of course, you look at at both of us and know we we find the restaurant. But anyway, we'll have a good time.
1: All right. Well, finally, Coach, uh, this is the Thanksgiving edition. What are you most thankful for?
2: Well, I'm most thankful, obviously, you know, for my family and friends, and um, and and obviously our. Our players and 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 the work that they've put into this season and and thankful to you guys too. Been part of that organization a long time. It's great people.
1: So, well, you're great people. You always bring a smile to my face. You're always uh, ready to take the call, Coach. Uh, congratulations on the back to back and another national championship. At Tyler. Well done, Steve Clemens. We will see you on that stage in Philadelphia, okay?
3: You got it, then you take care.
1: Okay, Steve Clemens wins the NJCAA Division I title for the men. Corey Rose wins the NJCAA Division I title for the women. He's also from Tyler Junior College. Man, did they get it done or what? Corey Rose up next on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I am Dean Linky. Happy Thanksgiving again, everybody, as this is the Thanksgiving edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. And we're certainly thankful for all of our champions. As promised, we're going to talk to all of our champions. And it's a Tyler Junior College double today, right? Steve Clemens winning it for the men. Corey Rose winning it for the women. And Corey joins me now. Corey, happy Thanksgiving to you.
4: Thanks so much for having me on. Happy Thanksgiving to you.
1: Yeah, you're certainly thankful. Three national titles in your 10 years since starting the women's program. You've been to five of the, the national championships in those 10 years. That's great success, Coach.
4: I think consistency and coaching in a program is, uh, is part of the success. Uh, people know what they're going to get year in and year out for the most part. And uh, So, yeah, I think uh, consistency has allowed us to, to be in those uh, five finals uh, in those 10 years.
1: Corey Rose, also a two-time United Soccer Coaches Coach of the Year, and we expect to see him again up there on that stage in Philadelphia. All right, take us through the run. You were down in Florida to win your national championship. That's a long drive there, a long drive back. Of course, the drive back had that trophy on board. But uh, tell us uh, what you went through in Florida to win the national championship, Coach.
4: We had a number 2 seed in a pool that I thought would, would challenge us a little bit, the numbers. Uh, seven seed Hartford I thought they were going to be a hard working team and would give us a good test in the pool and they sure enough did uh, uh, we went down one nothing in the in the pool game with them and I had to battle back and get a win in overtime 2 to 1 but then I thought that propelled us into the semifinal game against Eastern Florida who I wasn't probably expecting to see in that game but probably expecting to see them maybe in the final if we were lucky enough to get there but some other pools didn't didn't go probably the way the seeding showed you know, we were able to play Eastern Florida in the semifinal. Had a heck of a game from our team. They were ready for it. Ended up 4-0 in that game. Our goalkeeper uh, had a tremendous game, made some big-time saves, PK save, which had pushed us into the final against ASA.
1: Well, it's the double, right? So you and Steve both on the program today, and uh, obviously Steve's success, you know, Hall of Famer. I mean, what's what's it like uh, knowing that uh, he had all that success? He started the women's program. What kind of synergy is there? That's pretty exciting that you guys win the double, men and women.
4: Seems like you know, we do that. We did that in 2009 on uh, our first national championship for the women. Uh, I think it was uh, the first one for the men at TJC that year, too. So we were able to do that in 2009, and then it's awesome to have it be able to be done in 2009. Uh, 2017, but it's never a dull moment here at TJC when when, uh, Coach Clemens is around.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. He's a big personality. I mean, do you guys um, spend any time together away from the field as well?
4: At times. uh, You know, we've uh, been to, he's got a a hunt camp, a deer camp that uh, I've been able to be invited to a couple times and uh, uh, maybe doing some fishing together, have some mutual friends that we like to hang out with, and, and it's a good time when we all get to hang out.
1: All right, Corey, he sounds like pure Texas. You're actually from Indiana. Talk about uh, where you grew up and how you ended up at Tyler.
4: I'm a Hoosier at heart, uh, born and raised, and um, uh, went to Grace College there in, in uh, Wano Lake, Indiana. Spent four years playing college soccer there for them. Coached high school boys there at Warsaw Community High School for eight years and uh, had some good success. And then uh, got got out of coaching a little bit for a couple years and decided I missed uh, what I loved and, and got back into the college game was at Midwestern State University under Doug Elder for a couple years there. I was able to get my master's and then um, went to the, the girls' side, the women's side, at Bellhaven College. I was at Bellhaven College in Jackson, Mississippi for, for five years as the head coach there. And then uh, Coach Clements uh, and I stayed friends and uh, asked me if I would be interested in maybe starting the program here. We were able to do that in 2008. I uh, was able to come in and start the program here, uh, and it's been uh, an awesome place and an awesome run.
1: Coach, we can't do a program now without uh, hearing the name Doug Elder, or last week it was Jimmy Elder and uh, Midwestern State. Uh, that's a special place, How huh? How did that help you working under Doug Elder?
4: I didn't know what I was getting myself into, actually. I didn't know him from Adam, but uh, my one of my college buddies, was the, uh, the Jeff Trimble, was the uh, women's coach there. Doug needed an assistant and asked if I would be interested in dropped what I was doing and, and headed off to Midwestern State. And it's, uh, I mean, just what a what a university with a history of soccer there. And, you know, Doug and uh, Jimmy were both there in the, the 80s and uh, All-Americans. And, and then to have him come back and to be able to, to get some experience under him, uh, what an intense coach. And uh, learned a lot from him and uh, things I still use today. So uh, a lot goes back to, to Coach Elder and that. And, uh, you know, I've been able to, become friends with jimmy too and then from that point on and uh, we actually played each other this year and our i think the first game of the year we played jimmy with brookhaven college out of uh, dallas and i told him I, when we finished that game this year i said you're, you're going to win the national championship this year so it was good to see that from both of them
1: and so just to fill in the blanks when you decided to step away from soccer just a little bit what were you doing coach
4: <laughs> uh well i started a family actually and um I thought I needed to make a little more money than what money that there was in a high school coaching. And uh, I actually was a carpet cleaner. I was a branch manager in a, for uh, Sears Carpet Cleaning, to be honest. Okay. But I didn't see myself cleaning carpets the rest of my life, so I was glad when uh, Doug Elder gave me the opportunity.
1: Yeah, well, and obviously uh, you were thinking about soccer that entire time. Now, you're all in as well because uh, you were telling me before, we started the show that uh, you've been a part of the convention for several years. You kind of head up the junior college part of Explain exactly what you do re- in relations to the convention. I think I'm
4: going to be going on 15 years straight going to the convention. It started just, uh, you know, it's a great networking place to go. And, and also with the uh, venues and the, the uh, sessions that are, are there to, to be able to learn a lot about and, and improve your game. Um, as a coach, but then uh, a couple years ago, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to be able to uh, become the president of the Women's uh, Junior College Coaches Association. So now I, I run meetings up there for the Junior College Women's Coaches Association.
1: And why is uh, taking on that leadership role important to you, Coach? You love the game and you,
4: you want to make an Im- impact in the game. You want to be able to, to make some positive changes if you're able to. So I just thought it was going to be uh, a good opportunity for, for us to do that. I think we have done. We, we just uh, inducted eight people into our, our Women's Soccer Hall of Fame for the junior college, it's something that hadn't been done for quite a few years. So I was able to get some recognition to people that have, have come before us and uh, paved the way You know, for what we're able to do now. You know, We're trying to get our national tournament very competitive, and and how we can get some at large teams in there that might stumble, you know, in a game or two that that might still have another way to get there to make the tournament as most as competitive as possible. So those are some of the changes that uh, you know since I taken over there and, and been fortunate enough, uh,
1: we're trying to implement. Well, finally, you were kind enough to kind of tell your story and your path, and here you now in Tyler for ten years. You know, we asked Steve the same questions. What makes Tyler Junior College such a special place? The people. Uh, the people, uh, our facilities,
4: you know, our Boston Drain uh, athletic director known throughout the country for one of, being one of the best athletic directors is just tremendous experience to be able to work under him. Uh, gives us the tools that we need to be successful. Uh, our facilities, our administration, you know, they want us to be successful, but there's not the pressure to, to win. But they give you everything that you can't help to be successful. We do it the right way. That's another thing that's important to me. Is uh, you know we get good kids in here, we coach them up, and and hopefully uh, you know the the end of the season we're there, you know, in one of the final games.
1: Corey Rose, head coach of the Tyler Junior College women's soccer team, your national champion yet again, three times in ten years of existence. Coach, congratulations! Definitely look forward to seeing you up on the stage on that Friday night in Philadelphia. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Okay, a couple championship coaches getting their time yet again on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, and we come back, Vince Gansberg, he's the United Soccer Coaches Education Content Coordinator, and he was in Clemson last week, folks, working with veterans, including wounded veterans who are integrating themselves back into the world right here in our country, and they're doing it through soccer and coaching and coaching education through the United Soccer Coaches. Pretty neat. Vince Gansberg tells us all about it when we come back. The NSCAA is now United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free no-risk trial membership today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Thanksgiving edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. I'm Dean Linky. So great to be with our junior college champions, Steve Clemens, Corey Rose, getting the double for the men and women junior college division one level at Tyler Community College. As promised, our featured speaker today is Vince Gansberg. He is the United Soccer Coaches Education Content Coordinator. We'll get into more detail on what that means, but more importantly, we're so thankful for what he did last week as we are here on Thanksgiving Day, and we're going to get to find out about that in just a moment, but let's first introduce Vince Gansberg. Vince, thanks for being on the program. Thank you for having me. You know, that word thank you and Thanksgiving, right, is uh, big today, right? So happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and we're really thankful for what the United Soccer Coaches did last week in Clemson, and I want to open up the floor, and I want you to tell us exactly what went down just a week ago.
5: Well, first off, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours as well. I was at Clemson University as a guest of one of their professors there by the name of Sky Arthur Banning, who invited me to come up and deliver some of our non-residential diplomas, specifically for veterans, wounded veterans, and also visually impaired veterans. So that was the main goal, was to provide them with some coaching education.
1: That warms my heart, right? So how did the United Soccer coaches decide that, uh, you know, obviously it's kind of common sense, but how did you guys get involved in this great cause? And and talk about the impact. You witnessed it, uh, that this was for these veterans.
5: It's a good question. I mean, I I basically got the idea after watching uh, the Invictus games uh, one summer, and I thought, and I'm watching these athletes, and I'm like, wow, how inspirational could they be, for example, to a young teenager? So that kind of led into, well, maybe I can plan a, a coaching course for veterans or wounded veterans. So we've tried other avenues, such as the Wounded Warrior, and they were very interested as well. But we were pointed to Clemson University through a, a colleague by the name of Chad Little from Georgia. We just sort of connected there through Clemson University. That's kind of how it all evolved, pretty much Wednesday night, Thursday, and, and Friday. And then capped off with uh, all those coaches getting an opportunity to to do some practice coaching. The end goal is to help them transition back into the communities. Uh, There are veterans from Phoenix, Arizona, San Diego, California. There were some from the East Coast. Members from all uh, four military branches uh, represented individuals in wheelchairs, visually impaired uh, individuals, and they just want to get back kind of going in life again. Clemson University has done an astounding job with their Paralympic program. There are also some Paralympians taking the course as well. I believe that our first attempt at this was a, was a real success.
1: Well, I love that. And I got to believe that as part of their sort of reintroduction right over here, that soccer was part of their early days, right? It's got to be something that's important to them. That's why they were there. Is that correct?
5: Yes. Yeah, And some of them... Some of them had played. Some of them, though, no, didn't. And, for example, one veteran expressed, that you know, he, he coached uh, youth football. And when, when he got the, kind of the invite to go to Clemson, he thought, you know, wow, what a great opportunity for him to learn soccer, too. So in addition to helping them kind of just learn about coaching education and, and the characteristics of children and how children learn, he was also teaching the game to some of them. But uh, quite a few of them had, had a background in the game.
1: So certainly, you were inspired by the Invictus Games last week was phenomenal, and it was another athlete that has inspired you to do even more.
5: Yeah, along with watching the Invictus Games, I also got an opportunity to go to uh, the, the Muhammad Ali Museum in, in Louisville, Kentucky, and it's a very powerful museum. One of the greatest athletes that, that has ever lived. Uh, the very beginning of the of the story, if you will tells how a young Cassius Clay uh, was encountered by a policeman. Basically, uh, his bike was stolen, and the policeman found it and took took it to his house. Young Cassius Clay said, well, when I find whoever stole my bike, I'm going to whoop that boy. And the policeman looked at Cassius Clay, and he said, well, you better learn how to fight first. So it was actually a policeman or a person, you know, uh, a civil service if you will, the brave individuals that uh, fire department individuals and, and police officers that stand in the way of harm, too. But it was actually a police officer that got the young Cassius claim to what ended up being Muhammad Ali. And one of the goals, too, in addition to just providing education for veterans and wounded veterans could be for all service people. So maybe they can transition to not just coaching in their communities, but also maybe they can get into after-school programs and and make a difference in in their lives, too. So we're going to do another one in Arkansas in February. We're going to be inviting not just uh, veterans, but people from the police department, fire department, and
1: so on. Incredible. So the... Dream continues. Good stuff. Coach, when you think about uh, today's world, maybe even today's country, particularly here on Thanksgiving, where, boy, there's been some divisiveness, right? And then you look at United Soccer Coaches over the years and the way they've been so open and diversity and women and now what you're doing here, it's got to make you feel pretty proud about working for this organization.
5: Oh, yes. I'm I'm very privileged and honored to do what I do for a living, but more importantly for United Soccer Coaches. It's basically the organization I came up with and uh, through. And um, I was very fortunate when uh, an individual by the name of Mike Berticelli, the former University of Notre Dame men's soccer coach, uh, introduced me to coaching education through our organization, formerly known as the NSCAA, as you know, and now to be working for them and working for an organization that focuses not just on licensing, but I think educating all people in in the game and, and trying to you know, make the game better overall.
1: It's no surprise you work for Ian Barker. One of the things I love about him, even uh, as we started this podcast, is like you know, Dean. Yeah, you can definitely talk to the Indianas and UCLA's, but I want to hear from those Division three schools, those small schools mm-hmm. in Minnesota and Florida. And you know, this is just an extension of that mission, right? Like it's it's about everybody, right? Everybody that wants uh, and loves and has passion for the game.
5: Yes, it's not ex- exclusive to one group. So the the program that we did last week is just. Uh, one group, if you will, or one uh, demographic that that we're trying to uh, reach, because all these people will ho- can hopefully. Maybe you know, get into a community and coach, and be a champion for a child someday, and you know, and make them better—not just in soccer, but also in life too. So, this last course that I did, I and mean, I've taught many courses. I, I'm on the road constantly, uh, providing coaching education for us. And but this was one, truly one of the most rewarding courses I've ever been a part of, just because of their sacrifice that they gave. And I also want to give a shout out, if I, if you don't mind, to the Clemson rowing team who um, took one of the mornings and, and rowed with the veterans, and it was just a coaches were class act and the, and the young athletes there were class act too
1: Oh, i love that i've actually called the rowing championships right there on lake hartwell in clemson that's mm. a beautiful setting is that where you were
2: yes yes
1: wow. it was gorgeous well done boy i'll tell you what <laughs> uh, another reason to be to be thankful is as you finally as you think about uh, what just took place last week in clemson and your role with united soccer coaches this thanksgiving day what are some of the things you're thankful for coach
5: I 'm thankful for my family, of course, and, and I'm thankful for just all the wonderful people I get to work with, and not only as instructors but just all the wonderful coaches I get to encounter almost every day in my in my world, but, but I'm very thankful for the opportunity uh, that, that God has given me to go out and, and maybe um, not just again educate uh, coaches in soccer but also educate coaches in how to, how to make children basically um, successful, not only on the field, but off.
1: We're thankful for you being on the program. I will say we're <laughs> thankful to Kurt Austin with United Soccer Coaches for bringing this to our attention, and uh, we felt it was the perfect feature this week during this Thanksgiving edition, and uh, he was right. You were right. Vince <laughs> Gansberg with the United Soccer Coaches doing great things. Coach, thanks for sharing your story this Thanksgiving.
5: Thank you very much, and uh, have a blessed holiday.
1: We can do that. We can be thankful, and we can get pumped up for college soccer, men's and women's division one soccer, the tournament heating up. Rob Kehoe, the director of college programs for the United Soccer Coaches, will get us up to date after this break.
0: Want 15 extra hours each week? Team Snap can help give it to you. Their customers save tons of time every week on communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com. Now, once again, here's your host, Dean Linkey.
1: It's time to talk college soccer. Rob Kehoe, the director of college programs, getting us up to date on all the excitement of the women's and men's Division One tournaments. It's been incredible. We'll start with the women, Rob. Thanks for being with us. and Man, let's get rolling. It's exciting times.
6: Very good, Dean. Well, for the women, they played the second and third rounds this weekend of the Division One NCAA tournament, and the men played the first and second rounds. As I mentioned last week on the podcast, these are tough weekends for both the men and the women because they're two-game weekends. And on the women's side, one of the things that we know already, we're going to have a new Final Four and four new participants in the College Cup since the last year's participants, West Virginia, North Carolina, USC, and Georgetown all got eliminated this weekend. So we have three number one seeds still alive. And three of the four number two seeds—West Virginia, Texas A&M, and Central Florida—all got eliminated over the weekend. So that's a testimony to how tough it is. Stanford is still hanging in there at a number one seed. They beat Auburn 2-0 and Florida State 1-0. they got a goal in the 79th minute from Jordan DiBiase to win that Florida State game. But pretty much for Stanford, it was one-way traffic through the weekend. They had 53 shots in the two games against seven for their opponents. Auburn's goalkeeper, Sarah LeBeau, kept them close anyway for that 2-0 loss with 11 saves. So Stanford moves on. Penn State against Wake Forest. Penn State wins 2-0, but they were outshot 15-7. to They had three shots on goal, scored on two of them. Then they played West Virginia, won 3-1. to They had three shots on goal, scored on all three of them. So that's a pretty good target shooting for Penn State in that Weekend And they will then, as a number three seed, play against number one seed Stanford next weekend. That should be a terrific matchup. Duke had a relatively easy weekend. They beat Oklahoma State 7-0. It was 5-0 at halftime. Six different players scored in that game, and then they took down Texas 3-0. One of the surprises, perhaps, of the tournament is Baylor. Baylor beat USC in penalty kicks 3 in oh, the penalty kicks after going 1-1 in regulation and then they had to go to overtime against Notre Dame. Notre Dame had a big win against Texas A&M in the second round and they beat Notre Dame 3-2 in overtime. So we'll have a Baylor Duke quarterfinal. Then probably the tear the two teams that advanced that had maybe the toughest most grueling weekends were Florida and South Carolina both out of the Southeastern Conference. Florida beat South Florida 1-0, and then they beat Washington State 1-0 in overtime. It took them to the 104th minute to get a goal from Deanne Rose to get that through and for them to qualify for the round of eight. And then South Carolina, they had two 1-0 games also. They beat Wisconsin 1-0, and then... In that game, there are only 15 shots between two teams, so a lot of that game was played between the 18s. And then Santa Clara's run. Santa Clara's had a tremendous later part of the season. Their run comes to an end as they lost at South Carolina 1-0, and that was where South Carolina scored in the fourth minute and then held on to survive. So South Carolina and Florida play in the quarterfinals at South Carolina. They played once already this year on October 26th, South Carolina came out of that game with 1-0. And then we have perhaps one of the other principal surprises of the weekend tournament is Princeton. Princeton got a number four seed, and perhaps they're demonstrating why. They had two wins over the weekend. They beat North Carolina State in penalty kicks after going 1-1 in regulation, and then they beat North Carolina 2-1. And this is after they got a goal from Abby Gibbons in the 99th minute, and they had six saves from their keeper during the game. So it was quite a win for Princeton to, to get past the uh, research triangle teams, at least two of the three, and they advanced, and they advanced to play UCLA. UCLA beat a tough Northwestern 1-0 in the second round and then beat Virginia 2-1. And that was another tough weekend for UCLA, but they advanced. So we'll have UCLA, a number two seed, playing Princeton, number four, and that will be at UCLA. So that's a pretty good rundown of the women's weekend. Again, it's a tough weekend trying to play two games to get through to advance to the final eight.
1: Wow, what a great breakdown and what an exciting time. It just uh, speaks to the parody of women's soccer that all four teams from last year's College Cup are gone, four new teams. That's a great point, Rob. You always find the key features. All right, let's switch to the men.
6: Well, on the men's side, they seed one through 16. And it's interesting when you look at this uh, because this is somewhat of a measurement on how well this Selection Committee does on selecting them and seeds 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, and 10 advanced on the weekend. And that leaves only eight number eight out of the first ten that were seated Clemson out of that, so they did a pretty good job in getting uh, nine out of the first ten through. But the weekend was equally exciting to the men or to the women, to where the men they had to open up on Thursday, and then winners out of there had to travel to the seated teams to play. And so they ended up playing those on Saturday. So this was kind of a who survives the weekend. Wake Forest, they advanced after beating Columbia 1-0 on a John Bacaro goal in the 90th minute of that game. And this is after Columbia had had a tremendous season, beat William & Mary in the open round 2-1. Butler survives the weekend with two wins. They beat Lipscomb 2-0 in their opening game, and then they beat... VCU, VCU was seeded at 16, and Butler was unseeded, beat VCU of 3-2. Butler scored three goals in the 54th, 58th, and 59th minute to overcome VCU on that. So in that round, we'll have Butler, who is unseeded, playing Wake Forest, the number one seed. Then SMU gets two wins on the weekend as well. Unseeded team, they beat Central Arkansas 2-0, and they advanced double overtime against Georgetown they win 2 to 1 with two goals from Jordan Kano in the 82nd and 110th minute and in that game it was quite even Georgetown and SMU 18 to 17 in shots so they were banging it back and forth then UNC, the Tar Heels, survived. They beat UNCW. UNCW won their opener, and UNC is a number three seed, and they'll play SMU unseeded. And then we go to Fordham, another somewhat of a surprise in the, in the uh, tournament. They beat St. Francis, New York, 3-2 to two in overtime, and then... They take down the University of Virginia, 1-0. Eric Oldenhorf scores the goal in the 83rd minute. They advance, and they advance to play Duke. Two-to-one winner over Florida International. In that game, Will Pulisic had seven saves to keep it close and then give Duke an opportunity to get that game winner. So Duke will go on and play Fordham. Duke number four, Fordham is unseated. Then we go up north, and we go to Michigan State. They beat Virginia Tech 3-0, and then Western Michigan, which has been one of the prime stories of the year on the Division I men's side, they beat Albany 2-0. Albany beat Maryland one or in penalty kicks uh, on Thursday, and Western Michigan and Michigan State played earlier in the season. They'll play again next weekend. Michigan State seeded number two, Western Michigan number ten. Then Wisconsin that 's been on a roll. Wisconsin takes out UIC four to one in their opening round and then gets a 96 minute goal in the first overtime from Michael Catalano to beat Notre Dame one to zero, and they 'll advance to play a very hot Akron team. Akron beat Seattle three zero after Seattle had to t- travel all the way across the country after their win against University of Washington on a three to two game in overtime. Get on that plane and get over to Akron to play them. Didn't have enough to overtake Akron. Again, Akron 3-0. Akron plays Wisconsin in what should be a very open-ended, exciting match. Stanford had a tough one against Pacific. Took them 110 minutes to get a ball over the goal line, but in penalty kicks they go 4-1 in penalty kicks. Pacific had a nice year. They beat Cal State Fullerton in the first round 2-1. And then Coastal Carolina out of the southeast they had a win over mercer one zero scored goals in their second game in the fourth and fifth minute and then held off clemson three to one so stanford and coastal carolina will play on the weekend and then the last part of the bracket we have new hampshire new hampshire beat fairfield three zero had a draw at 0-0 with Dartmouth, and then they also had a 4-1 penalty kick win, and they have to go to Bloomington, Indiana. And and IU puts up another shutout. They beat Old Dominion 3-0. Old Dominion had a good opener, 2-0 win against North Carolina State. IU against New Hampshire. And then in the final bracket we have Louisville, who will host, and they beat San Francisco 3-2. San Francisco had a good win against Cal 2 to 1 but then again they had to fly across the country Thursday and then have a Sunday game didn't have quite enough. Louisville beats them 3 to 2 and then Colgate out of the Patriot. Colgate started the tournament below 500. They just happened to win the Patriot League tournament and get in. They beat UMass 2-0 and then they beat Michigan 3 to 2. So now we have probably one of the most unlikely teams, still going in the tournament, and that is Colgate, and they'll go to Louisville to play in the uh, Cardinals area. So that should be an exciting weekend.
1: Well, that's why you play the games right there for those uh, dream situations. A lot of times you see that on the basketball scene. Now you're seeing it in soccer, Rob.
6: Absolutely, and that's certainly what I was thinking of. When you get to the – The tournament, as we talked about last week, for all practical purposes, everybody's record is zero, zero, and zero, and the game is decided between the lines. And so we've seen some very exciting action already, and it will continue in the round of eight for the women this weekend, and then the round of 16 for the men.
1: Rob Keough, Director of College Programs for the United Soccer Coaches. Thanks for being with us. Very good, Dean. Great job, Rob. And we end our show saluting Smiling Bob Warming, retiring after 40 incredible years in the college game. Smiling Bob Warming, up next. This is our Thanksgiving edition. We're thankful for so many things, including the great coaches that have paved the way and uh, one of the legends of the game, smiling Bob Warming, 461 wins, two-time national coach of the year, 28 conference championships, uh, and after 40 amazing years, he decided to retire. Coach, why? Why now?
3: You know, uh, I, I'll tell you what I told our team actually uh, in the locker room uh, when I was telling them I was I was leaving. I just said. Uh, in their world, the Penn State world, there's there's a lot of great things you could be doing. Amazing things. But you can't do all those things and be your best in our program. You know, if you decide you want to do all those things, you've got to get out of our program. And I said, I'm in a in place in my world where I want to do some of those other things. And I can't be just partially in this program, so I need to be out. And so... That was my way of telling them that, you know, if you're not all in, you you need to get out. And uh, for me, I just have a lot of other things I'd like to do in my life, buddy.
1: Okay, well, certainly that means uh, some new doors will open. But as you look back at uh, this door that's closed 40 incredible years, can you name a couple of your best memories, coach?
3: You know, there's there's too many uh, to just uh, pick out a couple. I've, uh, you know, I've run on this treadmill that just seems like it's gotten pastor every single year for the last forty years and, and uh i just needed to get off and take a breath and see what else where else i want to run because when you're on this this treadmill, you better stay focused on this this one and just stay active as hard as you can if i started naming teams or whatever that wouldn't be fair to anybody but i will say that i'm, I'm proud of, of the, the championships with one i'm I'm proud of the facilities that I've been involved with in, in building, and, and those those facilities. Hopefully, more programs will try to try to match those and, and beat those facilities, and uh, help our sport grow in that way.
1: I think you're also proud of the outpouring of uh, well wishes you got after announcing your retirement, right?
3: <laughs> A lot of people glad to see me gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was very humble.
1: Well, and you are going to be involved because um, I got to admit, Smiling Bob, if I was retiring, I would be in Hawaii, but you're going to be doing like four sessions in Philadelphia in the middle of the code as part of the convention. So you're still going to be involved, right?
3: You know, I am so thankful for the NSCAA. It's just hard to explain how, how thankful I am. I mean, my, my number, I think if people are listening, just look at the number on their card. My number is 1966, so that means I was the 1,966th person to join the NSCAA. The friendships that I've made, the experiences that I've had, the information I've gleaned, the relationships that have been developed because of my time either at the convention or working for the NSCAA at, uh, in coaching sessions has been uh, absolutely a great joy in my life. I'm really, really thankful for
1: it. Okay. Well, you just said the words thankful for. I know you're also thankful for your family during this Thanksgiving holiday. I know you're headed to Omaha to spend time with your family, where you'll be when this podcast is released. Talk about uh, the things that you are thankful for, and I think it probably starts and ends right there with your family.
3: Well, it does. I became a granddad nine weeks ago for the first time. Uh, My two daughters both got married last summer to men that I absolutely love and think the world of, that they both had dated for six or seven years. Right after they got married a year later, here I am going to be uh, a second granddad in uh, in January. So my other daughter's having a baby. So... I'm very, very thankful for that and looking forward to, to spending some time with
1: that. All right. I got to tell you, I'm, you know, a little bit bummed because uh, for 11 years I've done at least one Penn State game, right, uh, at least since you've been there during your time. And I always get uh, – they they give me a hard time for saying Smiling Bob Warming. It's my favorite name out there and love your smile. And everything. I'm going to miss saying thats that. I'm going to miss that, Coach.
3: Well, you know, I don't know how much I'll miss it, but I understand it's a drinking game and, <laughs> and that people – maybe have a sip of alcohol whenever uh, you say Smiling Bob. So I think there's a lot of people that uh, are going to think you should continue to say that and weave it into your broadcast in some fashion.
1: It sounds like the country's going to sober up a little bit for sure. (laughs) Um, But I hope to see you out on the road Smiling Bob. Uh, Definitely see you in Philadelphia and uh, you promised me you'll keep in touch, right?
3: Dean, thanks for all you've done for our sport and continue to do. Boy, we've needed an advocate for a long time and a guy who would be as dedicated to it as you have and and we're thankful for you too, buddy.
1: All right. Smiling Bob Warming. 40 great years. All the best. Bye bye. Bye bye, Bob. Happy Thanksgiving to him and all of our guests. And happy Thanksgiving to each and every one of you listening to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast and everyone of our outstanding members of the United Soccer Coaches. I want to thank all my good friends with the United Soccer Coaches. Of course, Kurt Austin, Ashley Goodrich, Sean Chevro, Ian Barker, Jeff Van and Lynn Burling-Manuel, Rob Kehoe, the list is endless, Steve Veal, you know who you are. Thank you so much for all you do. Thank you to my family as well for letting me do this. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. On behalf of the United Soccer Coaches, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week. The NSCAA is now United Soccer Coaches. As the largest soccer coaches community in the world, we unite soccer coaches around the love of the game. It's in our DNA. No matter where in the coaching journey you are, we are here to serve you. We help you develop into better coaches so you can develop better players. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org join today.